Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Marriage Matters, Single and Satisfied, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on February 19th, 2017. In our series that we've entitled Marriage Mattered, Matters, excuse me, uh, and whether you're married or not, this is for you. Uh, really, the heart of this series is more in the aspect of, of something that I would encourage you, whether you're married, single, widowed, um, I would encourage you and challenge you to think about on a personal level. See, I, I love what the Bible does for us. See, it, it teaches us and it talks to us and it speaks to us personally, doesn't it? It really does. And so this morning, what I want to start out with, we'd start with a kind of a fun little time together. And uh, so for you guys that are married in this church, um, this is kind of for you. Um, and for you that are, that are single, um, then you, I think you'll appreciate this. So, so there are certain things that we should say and certain things that we should just not ever say, correct? You agree with that? Right, sometimes our opinions really shouldn't be shared. Well, I'm going to give you some advice here this morning. And uh, there are a few things what you should never say to a single person. Here's the first one. How are you still single? There's one thing, all right? That's the thing. You never want to say that. You know, you're going to make it awkward if you say that, all right? <laughs> Amen, all the single people, all right? All right, here's the second one. You're just too picky. How many of you ever made that comment? I think I have, actually. I apologize in advance. So, Never say that to a single person, okay? All right, here's the next one. And that's why he or she is still single. You never say that, okay? You never point at someone and make that comment. All right, here's the next one. And I think everyone in this room probably said this to somebody. I heard that my brother's ex-girlfriend, second cousin's plumber's doctor, best friend is also single. You want me to set you up? <laughs> when I was a kid, my brother used to take me out and do things. He's about five years older than me. And I was only like 12, 13, 14 years old. And he was already 18, late teens. And every time we went somewhere, he was trying to set me up if he saw a little girl that was about my age. So don't ever do that to anybody, Okay. All right, here's the best one, the number one right here. Anything that a Christian would say to a single, don't ever say. And I'm going to give you a list of these few, and I know that many of you probably have said this here. One is that don't ever say that Scripture says being single is a gift. All right? <laughs> they don't want to hear that, okay? Don't ever say, I know an awesome singles group that I can introduce you to. <laughs> Never want to point them to singles groups. Let them find them themselves. They're good on their own. Here's another one. When you're ready, God will send you the perfect person. How many of you single people have heard that one before? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Tell you what, good advice right here. Never say any of these things to single people. And uh, we'll live lives in a, in a better, more harmonious way as, as the church, the body of Christ. You won't get, get so many people offended, right? We don't want to make it awkward. So those are just a few tips as we go and continue. And today's title of our message is just simply single and satisfied. And there's two parts to our message that we're going to kind of talk about as we look at the passages here. And one is that, that being single is okay. You know, the Bible teaches that, that being a single person, that it's okay. 
You know, Paul here in this letter to the Corinthian church, he responds to a whole lot of things in 1 Corinthians. He responds to not only a bunch of questions that the church has for life and the way they live and their faith, but he's also responding to them because there's some unhealthiness in the church. There's some things that they're doing as believers that really shouldn't be done. And the way they're thinking is really there's some confusion that's going on there. And so Paul's kind of trying to really help them understand some very specific things as, as believers. And we all know that Paul spent a little over a year uh, with the church at Corinth. And he really invested in them. He poured into them. He helped them to understand what it meant to walk with Jesus Christ. And he actually has earned the right to respond to them in this letter. He's earned the right because of the personal relationship that he had with many of them to help them understand how to live this life. And the aspect of, of not only being single, but also of, of being married. And so we're going to see here in just a few moments that in the church at that time, that Paul is responding to some aspects of their life in the essence of how they see and how they view life. See, at that time, they, they saw, in some ways, they saw evil as being good and good as being evil. They were kind of confusing some of their traditions and some of the ways that they had already been living as, as ways that they can live in their faith. And so Paul is taking the time to write this letter to help them to, to kind of understand between right and wrong, to understand what Jesus taught and how he expects us to live as Christ's followers. And so Paul does a really good job of doing that. He really does a good job of helping us to understand how we are to live this life. And he gives us a basic understanding of morality, Christian morality, Christian beliefs. So in this passage, as we kind of go through, there might be some questions that you might have for yourself. And the first one might be, well, what does this have to do with being single and satisfied? Well, here it is. See, what happens here is that Paul's reminding us that we have been created to be in relationship with Jesus. God created us to be in intimacy with him. And not only intimacy with him, but intimacy with one another. See, we have people in our lives that God has placed there very intentionally. And the way we live our lives, how we live our lives, will be a reflection of not only who God is in our lives, but it'll be a reflection of those that are around us. Because whether we sit and do nothing or we sit and do a lot, we are an influence in their lives. People watch us. They pay attention to what's going on in our lives and how we respond to those tough moments. And so 1 Corinthians is a a great book. Chapter 7 especially is a great book because the, the believers in that moment were making some decisions that were probably not so healthy for themselves. They were doing some things in their life that weren't really that healthy. And it was a reflection in the community. It was reflecting on others. And because of their lives and the way that they were living, others were kind of following suit. And then arose a whole bunch of questions. And Paul gives them a a response. See, we have to understand that in this letter, Paul guides us through some tough answers and some tough questions. And he also helps us to know how to be satisfied with whatever lot we have in this life. See, each and every one of us in this room has been given something. Each and every one of us has been called to something. 
No matter what vocation we're in, no matter where we live, what community we're in, God has called us to a certain place and he's brought us to a certain place. I love what Paul starts out by saying here. He says this, he says in 1 Corinthians seven seventeen, he says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. And this is my rule in all of the churches. So the question that I want to start out with this morning is, what is your assignment in this life? What has God called you to do and to become? See, that's an important question that we have to ask ourselves because, again, we have to understand the heart of this here is understanding our role in the church, understanding our role in our faith, and using the gifts that God has given us, not only to honor God, but to honor others, to help others. And that's why Paul says it, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him to. And then Paul says, this is my rule for everyone. This is my rule for all of us. See, we have to do what God calls us to do and we have to become who God is calling us to become. And we do that together. We grow together as a church, whether married, single, widow, whatever it is. We come together as the body of Christ and we encourage each other and we love each other. And we go on this great journey that God has for us. So before we read the passages this morning, will you pray with me? Father, this morning we bow our hearts to you, Father. Lord, we may understand and we may not understand what you have called us to do and to become. Lord, but this morning, as we read your word, I I pray that you would help us to see a little more clearly the things that you have for us. No matter what our position in life is, no matter whether we're single or we're married or we're just living this life on our own. Father, I pray that through your word that you would open our eyes and open our hearts and help us to truly understand where you have us and why you have us in this moment, why we are here today. Lord, give us clarity so that we can live in a way that honors you, in a way that that when we go through something hard or something tough or when we go into a, a wonderful season of life, Lord, in everything that we would just give you glory and that we would give you honor. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for every heart that's here this morning. And I pray that, Father, that that your spirit would speak to us this morning. That we would hear your voice. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we do it all in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Well, I'd like to to start out in in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And I just want to read the first nine verses together as a church. And I would challenge you this week sometime to really look at the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Because there is so much in there. I mean, we could literally spend months just on this chapter and it's in reflection to, to marriage and to being single, but mostly it's in, to, in reflection of, of living a Christian life and what that looks like. So I challenge you to read the whole chapter on your own sometime this week and kind of just ask God to speak to you and help you to understand the things that he's saying here in these moments. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 1, Paul says, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, 
It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation of sexual impurity, man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to her, his wife her con- conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and another of an, one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Well, this morning, I just kind of want to ask a couple of questions to discuss a couple of questions that I think are reflective of our culture and of our time and that will maybe help us understand a little bit more of what Paul is starting out by saying what he's saying here in this chapter and the first question is the question that I I've heard people say and I think people probably say it now is that I'm single is there something wrong with me and my answer to you is no absolutely not See, I think in in Paul's time and and in his culture there, we have to understand to answer this question, we have to see what they're dealing with in that culture. And at that time, a widow or a widower was considered someone that was like an outcast. See, they were looked upon differently than someone that was married or had a spouse. See, single people were looked upon with different eyes. They're almost like, hey, what's wrong with these people? Why are they single? Why do they not have a spouse? A lot of times it was because of the family that they were coming from. Maybe they didn't have the status or the the finances. See, what's funny about this, though, is it's, it's really no different in our culture today. You know, we see a single person and immediately our minds go to, well, hey, what's wrong with them? I wonder why. See, but Paul's telling us here that there's nothing wrong with them. Look what he says in the first two verses. He says, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, and this is his quote here, It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. And then in verse 2 he says, But because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. See, again, the answer to this question comes to what we understand about culture, about our times today, and even times then. See, there was a lot of sexual impurity going on. There's a lot of sexual impurity going on in our culture today. It's it's tough to be single in a culture like ours. There's a lot of things that that people that, that, that aren't married face and deal with when it comes to that, that aspect of our culture. But we don't look upon someone that's single as someone that's broken 
or that something is wrong with them. See, we should never look upon someone with different eyes than those that are the eyes of God and say, hey, you know what? That's God's creation. He created them special and they're amazing and I have a role to play in their lives. I have a responsibility to them. See, this is why the Bible teaches us so much about the widow and the widower. That's why God's word helps us to understand that we are to care for them and to love them and walk with them because they were looked upon as something that was a little bit lower class than God ever intended for them to look, be looked upon. See, Paul's getting to the specifics here. And I want to remind you, if you're single, there is nothing wrong with you. I want to remind you and, and, and tell you this morning that God has some great plans for you and he can use you just as well as he can use anybody else. There's only one variable in being used by God and that is just simply being willing to be used by God. That's the only variable in this lifetime. I love what Paul says here. He reminds us that even in our times, in verse 26, chapter 7, he says, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Paul is saying, whatever lot in life you have, wherever you are right now, whether you are married or single, considering all that's going on in our world right now, he is simply saying, trust in God. And it's okay to stay where you're at. It's okay to use the gifts that God has given you. And then he says in verse 38, he says, so then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. See, Paul is saying that, hey, if you're married, hey, that's great. If, you, if you've already been promised in marriage, that's great. That's wonderful. But he said, if you're single and there's nobody there right now, he says, you know what? That's kind of even better. And then he goes on to explain why. And he reminds us that, that in marriages, it becomes difficult. In marriages, sometimes there's this tension because you bring two sinful people together and then you put them in a box. And sometimes that, that causes problems. And the other aspect of what Paul will tell us here in this chapter is that when you bring two people together, now one has to worry about the other. And it creates some anxieties. It creates some things that, that we worry about. And, God, and, and Paul's saying it's better that you not worry about those things in these times because Jesus is coming back soon. So it's better if you stay single. That way you can focus all your heart, all of your energies towards serving God. See, he's not saying that there's something wrong with you if you're single. He's not saying that it's bad to be single. He's not saying it's the best thing to be single. He's just simply saying that wherever you are, he says it's okay. It's okay. Because God will use you. God wants to use you. 
See, there's nothing wrong if you're single. There's nothing that is broken. You might be saying to yourself, well, Floyd, that, that's easy for you to say because you've been married for a long time. You don't know what I feel. You don't know the struggles or the stresses that I go through being single. And I'll tell you, you're absolutely right. I don't know. I really don't. I don't know what you wrestle with in your heart. But I can tell you this, that, that God loves you and God cares for you. And he brought you to this place. He brought you to this moment with a purpose. And he has you right where he wants you. And all I can offer you is to say, is to say trust him with that. Trust him with that. And let him do the rest. I wish I had all the right words. I wish I had all the good stuff. But I can tell you that the answer for every question that you'll ever have, whether married or single, is always Jesus. Isn't it? I think about it. It's always Jesus. So if you're single today, I want to remind you that there's nothing wrong with you. And, and what's neat about this is the writer of this book, Paul the Apostle, he gets it. He knows what it's like to be single. He understands. See, I don't understand, but Paul does. And as he writes this book, as he communicates these things, he's doing it from a place of a single person. See, he understands what it means to struggle. He understands what it means to wrestle in your hearts with some of the temptations and some of the things that are going on in this world around him, around you. And he gets it. See, but I think Paul can say what he says here in this chapter, not only because he comes from that place or from that spot, but also because he knows that the answer is always Jesus. And he knows that the answer is in God's goodness and in God's love for him. That's where he responds from. See, Paul has gone through some tremendous hardships. And many of those hardships, he has gone through them alone. He didn't have a spouse to lean on or another person to really look to. He just had Jesus. That was his hope. If you would flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I just want to read these few verses and listen to what Paul says in this. And this is coming from a man that has suffered. He has been persecuted for his faith. First Corinthians, I mean, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. He says this, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I got to imagine he just said it super loud, so that's why I'm going to say it a little louder. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are any, in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Isn't that cool? See, we have to understand, who's this coming from? This is a guy that that has suffered. He's been persecuted. He has found his joy. 
So that brings us to the second question. Where can you find your joy? Where do you go to when you're looking for your happiness? Where do you go to when you feel like you need to be satisfied with something? Where do you find your joy? Verses 7 through 9, Paul says, I wish that all were as I myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. He says, To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. I want us to see what Paul is saying here. He's saying it is better to be single as I am. It is better to be as I am. But that's only if you can truly find all of your pleasures and all of your joy in Jesus Christ. And he understands what it is to struggle. See, God understands what it is to struggle. And through Paul, he offers us this. He says, if you cannot overcome those passions that burn inside of you, then he says it's better to marry. See, what we see here is Paul making a powerful statement by saying that he wishes that all of us, every single person, could find their every joy and their every satisfaction in Jesus Christ alone and nothing else. I wish that all, that all were as I am. I wish that all were as I am. See, Paul has given his life wholeheartedly and completely to Jesus Christ. He has found his every joy in serving God. He is single and he is satisfied. And he has found his greatest gifts in the things that God has given him. And he understands that the things that God hasn't given him, it's okay. He just rests in the fact in the things that God has given him. And he's grateful for that. Philippians 4, Paul says this. Verse 11 through 13. He says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then here's that famous passage that we see on bumper stickers and all the athletes say this. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, the the root of that last verse, verse 13, the heart of that verse is simply saying that no matter where I'm at in life, no matter what my position is, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All of my hope, all of my joy, all of my everything comes through my Savior and my Redeemer, Jesus Christ. 
See, that's the key right there to being satisfied. Whether you're married or you're single, if you truly want to find your greatest joy, if you truly want to find your greatest happiness, it all comes through Jesus Christ. And there's going to be moments in your life when you have very little. And there's going to be moments in your life when you have a whole lot. But either way, it's all about Jesus. It's all about trusting him. Isn't it funny how how when we have a lot or everything's going really well, that we kind of lose track of Jesus? It's almost like he kind of slips into a corner somewhere and we just kind of forget. How was your week? Oh, it was great. Oh, how was your quiet time? Oh, not so much. (laughs) See, Paul is reminding us that right now he doesn't have any needs because he has Jesus. But he understands what it's like to have and not have. And in everything, he has Jesus. So the question is, are you content with your situation right now? Have you found joy in where you're at right now? Can you say that honestly? That's a tough question, I know. I understand. Even though I don't know what it's like to be single and I don't know what it's like not to have someone else in your life as far as a significant other, I do know what it is like to have nothing, to have very little, to be discontent with life. See, those are the most challenging times when we struggle, when we're jobless, when we lost someone that we've loved, when we lose the things that we care about, that's the hardest time to answer that question. See, but if we are satisfied, if we are content with what God has given us or allowed us to have, whether it be in our marriages or in our singleness or in any situation, if we are to be truly satisfied and we have to put our complete trust in God. I won't, I won't say it or make you turn there, but I want you to write in your notes, Jeremiah 17. One of my favorite passages, and I go back to it in those moments of discontent. Verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, I think it is, maybe even 9. And he's simply saying this, when you put your trust in man, things are going to happen, and you're going to falter. You put your trust in God, things are going to happen, but you'll bear fruit. Who do you put your trust in? God or man? So this morning, whether you are married or would like to be married one day, I want to just ask you, start today by living for Jesus. Put your complete trust in Jesus Christ. Give him all of you. He doesn't want half of you. He doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you. He wants you to die to yourself and give your life to Him. As we close, I want to just end with this passage in in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to do it as as a reminder and an encouragement to all of us, knowing that we have such an important part to play in everything, in singleness and being satisfied in our marriages in our relationships, in our kids' lives, 
See, this encompasses all that we are and all that we will become. And Paul offers this to you and I this morning. He says, consider your calling, starting in verse 26. Brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might be so that no human being might boast in the presence of God and because of him you are in Christ Jesus and listen to this part because of him you are in Christ Jesus who became to us see this is what Jesus is to us wisdom from God righteousness sanctification and redemption so that it is written that no one who boasts let no one who let let the one who boasts excuse me boast in Jesus Christ let him boast in the Lord so no matter where you find yourself today no matter what your position is in life whether you're married you're single you're a widower no matter who you are remember who you are in Christ Jesus. Remember whom you belong to. Remember the love and the hope that God has offered you through His Son, Jesus Christ. Before we close and we pray, I just want to ask you this. Will you make today the day that you choose Jesus Christ? There's some in here that maybe haven't fully committed to Jesus right now. There's someone here that maybe you have committed to Jesus and just kind of have forgotten about that, that commitment to walk with Jesus Christ, to follow him completely and wholeheartedly. To do what this passage told us at the beginning here, to live out our calling, our purpose, and the plan that God has for us. I want to ask you this morning, will you, will you make that decision today? Not between you and me, but between you and God. Will you make that commitment today? Will you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. Nobody's watching you. It's just between you and God. I want to ask you to pray right now. I'm going to pray with you in a moment, but I want to ask you to pray right now. Just take a few seconds to make things right with God. And I want you to do that as you understand and know that Jesus Christ loves you deeply. He's brought you to this place and in this moment and in this time for this very reason. Because he wants you to know his love. And he wants you to love him back. There's no magic prayer that you pray other than the fact of saying, God, I surrender to you. I give all of me to you. And I turn from the things that have separated me from you for so long. And I ask that you would forgive me through your son, Jesus Christ. That you would wash me and cleanse me in your righteousness, in your holiness, in your pure purity. And that you would help me in this new life, that you would help me to live for you, to be fully surrendered in every way. Pray that prayer right now, whether it be for the first time or the second time or the third time. And don't be afraid to pray that prayer every single day. 
See, sometimes we share the good news of the gospel with many people around us, but we forget to share it with ourselves. We forget to remind ourselves that we have been forgiven, that Jesus Christ died on a cross and he rose on the third day so that you and I, so that we can have life, new life. And he has so much for us in this life. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for all that you are. Lord, whether we're single or we're married or we're whatever, Father, I pray this morning that in all things we would be satisfied. Father, that we would be thankful and grateful for who you are in our lives. Lord, you have so much in store for us. You have so many things that you want to show us and give to us, Father. But in our foolishness and in our pride, we have gotten in the way. We have turned our backs to you and turned our hearts to the world. But this morning, Father, today, we turn our hearts to you and we come to you ask that you would forgive us of our sins Father, forgive us of the foolishness of the things that we do in offense to you Father, the things that we have said and done that haven't been reflective of who you are and who you want to be in our lives Father, I pray that you would show us and remind us of that forgiveness remind us of what your son did for us, what you did for us through your son that image and that reminder knowing that because Jesus died on the cross that if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord that we do have forgiveness of those sins and we have been washed in your righteousness Father give us and help us to know this new life that you've offered us give us the strength and the courage to live in that life, to walk in that life. Lord, we thank you for that. I thank you for every heart that's here. And I, and I pray, Father, that as we go away from here, Father, that we would be a, a changed people. That every single person in this room would walk away from here just loving you and knowing you and committed to you, Father. And that we would just share this hope with the world around us each and every person that we encounter to know this love that you've offered us, this grace that you've given us. Father, I thank you for these moments. I thank you for this time. And we give it all to you. And we do it all in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio, and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.